Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman and new Hoosier Huddle contributor, Ethan Roberts. Uh, Welcome to him. His first podcast. Excited to have him on. Uh, recruiting is his expertise, um, but he is also a passionate college football fan, and uh, I, I believe will be a strong addition to the team as well. So, uh, welcome, Ethan. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I've been looking forward to an opportunity like this, and uh, I can't wait to get started. Awesome. And as always, our uh, not so new member, TJ. And then, TJ, how are you doing as talking season begins? Doing great. Yeah, talking season uh, only means that actual football season is right around the corner. So as annoying as some of the coach speak can be, uh, you know, it it does mean that we are very close to actual games, which is the real exciting part. Um, You know, we've done a couple of preview podcasts so far, but we're really starting to get to dive into it now. So uh, fired up to get this going. Yeah, definitely fired up to get it going. Heck, I would take Coach Speak right now. Uh, anything besides NIL, conference expansion, TV money, and Northwestern's hazing issue. Uh, by the way, TJ, in our uh, win totals for the Big Ten West, I believe yeah. I did say that Pat Fitzgerald was on the hot seat. So I'm going to mark that yep. down as a uh, as a win for Sammy uh, in the prediction mark. But um, let's get started with questions. I We'll start with yours, TJ, because one of them, I believe, was um, who's looking for a new coach after this season outside of Northwestern. Right. So we, we right. mentioned Northwestern. If you haven't heard about it, you've been living under a rock the last two weeks because uh, I was even following it when I, when I was in Africa. But looking at all the coaching situations in the Big Ten – uh, outside of Northwestern, there was a lot of coaching changes coming into 2023. Uh, TJ, who, who do you feel like is that coach on the hot seat that they may be looking for a, a new, uh, new head man in 2024? That's right. And, and, you know, this, what brought this question up in my head was a lot of people, uh, I would say national media, if they were making a list like this in the Big Ten, they might start with Tom Allen. Um, now, I think that people that follow Hoosier Huddle or or uh, pay close attention to what Indiana's belief of Tom Allen is and the contractual situation um, probably have a different opinion than that. Um, there might be some out there that want Tom Allen to be on the hot seat, but I think the reality of it is Indiana doesn't believe that Tom Allen is on the hot seat. And I don't think the administration's even considering an alternative. So if you move past that kind of 
from where we sit, who's, who kind of fits that criteria. And you're right. A lot of teams very recently made head coaching changes. So you're left with either Kirk Ferentz hangs it up. Maybe they have a great season uh, and, and he decides to walk away. You know, they've got a, a new athletic director coming in in Iowa. So, you know, maybe they don't mesh well and Ferentz walks away. Or they're a disaster and Kirk Ferentz has had enough. That's one potential option. But the one that, that really stands out to me because of how I believe this fan base and their big money boosters feel that they should be is Michigan State with Mel Tucker. Um, that's one that on the surface might surprise people. But if you go back and look at what Michigan State seasons have been outside of one great year, now, granted, the same could be said uh, for Tom Allen. Um, but if you look at what they've been under Mel Tucker outside of that one really good season, it's not a pretty picture. Add in some off-the-field stuff that has happened uh, and a, a huge number of transfers uh, exiting that program, and I, I think you could get into a situation where if Michigan State is really bad this season, which is a possibility, I think that they could look to make a move, particularly when in-state rival Michigan has now won back-to-back -back titles and is looking at a third straight Big Ten championship potentially. Uh, you know, that always adds a little bit of salt to a wound if the school is not performing up to expectations. So. A lot of money pours into Michigan State football, and I think it's fair to say that there's major questions about Mel Tucker's ability to run the program to the standard that they want it to be. Uh, so I, I don't think it's likely, but if you're looking for one school outside of Northwestern, I think it's Michigan State that's the one to watch. Uh, and and I, I would not be shocked if the wheels fell off here in 2023 that the Spartans are looking for a new guy to lead the program. Yeah, those are all good points, TJ. And, you know, if you're talking about firing coach, that's probably one to look like. Um, there's always the Jim Harbaugh rumors to the NFL. Uh, I will go right. the lesser road traveled and buy into message boards craziness. I think Ryan Day is on the hot seat. Uh, he's lost two in a row to Michigan. I know he's only lost six, um, you know, six games in his uh, career at Ohio State, but he's he's gotten blown out the last two times at Michigan. He has to go up there this year. Uh, if they lose, it's three in a row. Um, do, do I think it's fair he's on the hot seat? Probably not. Uh, but to, so not to copy off a of year, but you, you look at Tom Allen's contract. I don't. Outside of a Pat Fitzgerald-like situation or something off right. the field that happens with Tom Allen, um, you know, if they go one and eleven or you know have some craziness off the field, he's not going anywhere. Because if you're going to do it and, and do that and pay the money, you should have done it last year. Now, the big thing is to me also to take into effect is that you're moving to the Pac uh, – you're, you're moving to the Pac-12. Um, you're bringing in USC 
and UCLA and the schedule, you get rid of divisions next year. I think this is, and I, um, we'll get to it in our mailbag article, but 2023, once that 2024 schedule came out, 2023 became a crossroads for IU. Um, they need to have a good year and build momentum for 2024 when the schedule becomes really manageable. But yeah, I think Mel Tucker's in the same boat as Tom Allen. I think he's getting nine and a half million dollars. It's a lot of money, um, but they might have it. But I'll take the the outside the box thinking. Ryan Day, if he loses to Ohio State, he could also lose to Penn State, and he could also lose at Notre Dame. Uh, could be in the could could be on the hot seat um, after that. Uh, Ethan, any any openings that you think might happen in the Big Ten? Um, besides the ones that you guys said, I think, I mean, there's a lot of new hires or, I mean, like first or second year coaches that need a little bit more time, especially with the crossroads that you mentioned with uh, UCLA and USC being added to the Big Ten and divisions uh, ceasing to exist. Um, but yeah, I definitely think uh, Coach Ferentz and Coach Allen are on the hot seat. Ryan Day, I'm not completely sure about because while they lost to Michigan twice in a row, they also made the playoffs and you could argue a couple plays here and there away from beating Georgia. They were literally a field goal miss away from being in the national championship. So while I see it could be a possibility if they lose two of the three big games on their schedule, I think coach Ferentz and Allen are the ones to look at. Yeah, yeah I, I think with Ryan Day, I think with Ryan Day, what might and look, I don't know Ryan Day, do not know his mentality. Um, I, I think it's possible that hypothetically, let's say that they lose to Michigan and they lose to Penn State, the administration backs him and says, "Look, we support Ryan Day." A decent chunk of the fan base says. Yeah, we're not thrilled with how things are going, but sure, let's keep Ryan Day. And then a a subset of the fan base that could be quite vocal, you know, says this is not acceptable. We can't lose to Michigan three times in a row. You know, we need to do something different. I think that it's possible that while Ohio State would not make a move, Ryan Day would then look for an opportunity in the NFL to get out of Columbus because it's, it it may be in his mind. It's look, I I don't know what to do for these people. Look at my record and I'm still getting crap. You know, I'm going to take this opportunity to go coach in the NFL while it's in front of me before that opportunity disappears. Um, You know, get out of the pressure cooker at Ohio state. I think that's a possibility. I certainly don't think that Ohio State would look to fire him, um, barring you know a, a total collapse. But I think it is possible that he maybe has enough of uh, sky high expectations. And with you know USC coming into the conference, who knows? I you know I think that's possible. But um, I think that really. It is a fairly stable conference right now in terms of coaching um, just because the guys that are at programs, 
you know, that are new hires, they're not going anywhere. Uh, your your long-term guys, like a Kirk Ferentz, he's not getting fired. Uh, you know, your institutional guys, like a Jim Harbaugh, uh, he's not getting fired. James Franklin has gone from kind of, you know, is he looking at somewhere else? It seems like he's settled in and is going to stay there long-term. Uh, so it does feel pretty stable right now. Um, of course, as we have found out recently, you are one scandal breaking from a stable situation being thrown completely haywire. So you just never know. Um, one thing that I, I do think is quite interesting going into media days, and this is kind of related to the Big Ten, but I, I noticed it with SEC media days, looking at kind of all SEC teams and, and who those would be, um, a, a lack of certainty at the quarterback position, really a big storyline coming into pretty much every conference media day. Um, you know, the SEC the guys that were the headline quarterbacks are now in the NFL and the guys that are stepping in to fill those roles. I think that there's some serious question marks about, or players that are coming back that are kind of your uh, accumulator of lifetime achievement type guys that don't really have an incredible high ceiling in terms of talent. So um, I, I think that there's, kind of a, a power gap in terms of quarterback play uh, at these really across college football. Obviously, new guys are going to step in and become stars, but I, I feel a, a big level of uncertainty at the quarterback position. I think that that kind of translates into the Big Ten as well. Drew Aller at Penn State, we think we know what he is. Uh, Michigan has a stable quarterback position. Um, but beyond that, you're looking at a whole lot of question marks all around the conference, that quarterback. Yep. Uh, TJ, our next question, I'm going to pose to Ethan. Um, and it's one that I will be asking coaches, uh, during media day, uh, and something that really should be on the national radar, but I haven't seen it all that much. Uh, are there changes you would like to see? be made to the recruiting calendar right now it looks like the season ends early signing days like right before christmas and it's you know you have coaching you have like a couple days to make coaching change the port like the portal windows now how would you fix the recruiting calendar i i don't have the perfect solution i do know that something needs to happen uh, there was an article, I can't remember for the life of me who wrote it, but they basically did an investigation trying to figure out how many SEC coaches, like how long they work each week and how many hours they put in. And I think Saban had a quote saying like, oh yeah, like 90 hours a week, it's nonstop because there's no, with NIL being included and the transfer portal being included, there's no athletic department at colleges for the transfer portal. So now you've got a select amount of guys who are usually taking the reins of just strictly high school scouting, recruiting, and now you've included NIL. So there's that on top of it. And now the transfer portal heating up. 
there's only so many people and you don't have an actual department for the transfer portal. So I think they need to find ways to, they've already made transfer portal windows, which I think is, it's not the perfect solution, but it's a start. I think they need to find a way to find like rules to limit the calendar in recruiting so that you can only spend X amount of time with, with visits, with recruits, so that it becomes feasible for like the smaller colleges that maybe don't have the funding to hire an entire department for the transfer portal. Yeah, I agree. It's just become, you know, when we started the site about 10 years ago, there, there was a clear off season. Um, and now it's just year round uh, recruiting, transfer portal, um, and you throw the NIL in there, which would lead me, uh, TJ, do you have anything to add to, to the uh, recruiting calendar? I, I think that the recruiting calendar is going to get changed, and I think it will tie into uh, regulation that eventually gets put in place with NIL. Um, you know, it, it seems to be trending towards a when, not if, as far as athletes uh, becoming designated as employees of universities. Um, I don't know the timeline on that. Nobody does currently, but the the sentiment among those that are much smarter than I am uh, does appear to be that that's a win, not if proposition that will happen is that athletes are going to get designated as employees of the university, which changes drastically changes, you know, what NIL looks like. Um, there's a, a bill that has been introduced in place that would actually make NIL inducements uh, as part of recruiting, whether that is retention of a player or, uh, you know, getting a player to commit to your university, uh, a, a federal crime to use NIL funds in that manner. I, I think the follow-up question to that is then what the hell is NIL for? Um, you know, I mean, if you're not using NIL funds to recruit uh, what exactly is the purpose of anybody donating? If you can't use it to keep a player on your roster and you can't use it to attract players to your roster, I, I don't see where the benefit is for boosters to actually be doing it. Um, now, you know, the follow-up to that is how do you enforce it? Um, and do you choose to enforce it? even if that is the rule. I, I, I think that, that something like that, I think creates more problems than it offers solutions. Uh, but I, I do think that the recruiting calendar is going to get tied into, and the changes in the recruiting calendar will get tied into uh, how quickly we see a change with NIL and how quickly employees or athletes are, are determined to be employees of the university that that's a that's a game changer and it's one we're not going to dive into on a you know this podcast but whenever that eventually happens uh, the way that that gets structured whether there's a salary cap all that stuff uh, i completely changes college sports into something totally different than what it currently is um and i think that major changes to the recruiting calendar will occur once we start seeing those dominoes fall. 
Yep. Let's uh, change gears to more IU specific questions. Uh, CJ, you had a couple good questions. Uh, the first one was what position group uh, do you believe right. is IU's strongest uh, relative to the 2023 yeah. opponents? Um, wh what do we think? We'll start with the, we'll start with you, TJ, and then go to Ethan. Yeah, that question was, you know, thought of in, you know, what position group is opposing coaches when they're doing their scouting reports, which IU position group is causing them, uh, I don't want to say anxieties, but, you know, the most worry when they are scouting against Indiana for 2023. Um, you know, I think that there's, I think that there's some, some good options, um, and if I if I had to choose just one group, I think I would actually end up going with the linebackers. Um, I I feel really strongly about, um, and I, I'm throwing Husky in here, so okay. kind of the middle of Indiana's defense. Uh, Noah Pierre and Aaron Casey, I think, are you know two leaders of this football team, two potential All Big Ten players, uh, at least on one of those All Big Ten teams. You know, Aaron Casey has been right there before. Noah Pierre, when he gets an opportunity, has been productive, and I, I think is a, a big time leader for this defense. And I think guy, you added some real quality pieces um, through the transfer portal to that group as well. Um, so I, I would go with that. And I think a, a secondary answer to that is just going to be, uh, wherever Jalen Lucas is lined up, you know, I think that he's, whether he's at running back, slot receiver, uh, kick slash pump return, that's going to be a guy that opposing coaches have to game plan to figure out how to eliminate or at least minimize his impact on the game. Yeah, I agree. I, I was going to go Jalen Lucas uh, just as a Jalen Lucas position group because you know they're going to have to right. scheme him in the kick return game. Um, and that's easier said than done. You have to have a good kicker um, to put into the end zone or put him in the corner. Uh, and if you miss yeah. kick it at all, he's going to get a big return off. Um, we saw it last year. And I, you can put it back on offenses as well. If I had to go with the unit, um, although it might be lacking a, a ton of depth, the wide receiver unit is really, really intriguing to me. Um, I, I think this is the most uh, diverse wide receiver group IU has had since probably 2013 um, or yeah. – a little bit later, you have, you know, Jalen Lucas will play the role of Shane Wynn. Um, you have Cam Perry in there as well. You've got bigger, longer guys like Donovan McCulley and EJ Williams. You have Dequise Carter coming in um, from Fordham. Now, there might be some depth issues if somebody goes down, um, but also don't forget about Cam Camper as well. I, I was watching games early on uh, from last year. Uh, the guy's a stud. And if he comes back from – uh, his knee surgery and is 100%, uh, he, he's a game changer. So that's, that's a room I'm really intrigued about, um, even though there's a lack of depth. 
it's one where you're going to have to know where Jalen Lucas is. You're going to have to know where Cam Camper is. And it's pick your poison. Do you double Jalen Lucas? Do you double Cam Camper? Who, like, who are you leaving open? Um, and yeah, it all comes down to can IU block up front and give the quarterback time to throw? But that's, you know, for the first time in a long time, um, you know, probably since 2019, that's the room where you go, okay, we need to stop somebody here um, in maybe 2022. But um, the wide receiver, Ethan, uh, any, anything to add? Uh, yeah, actually. I think that we referred to it earlier with the lack of positional clarity in terms of uh, quarterback play in the Big Ten. And I think that younger brother of, you know, former All-American Tracy Jackson Davis, Taven Jackson, um, transferring from Tennessee in the spring or spring or right after the season. I can't remember. I'm sorry about that. But um, I yeah. mean, this guy, he go ahead. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, back to the season. Oh, yeah, right, he was right. here for spring ball. Yep. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah. So he was at Tennessee uh, in 2022 behind Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton. And the thought process was okay, once Hooker goes to the NFL, it's going to be a positional battle between him and Joe Milton. And then two things happened, which prevented that. A, Joe Milton lit it up against Clemson in the bowl game last year. And B, uh, Nico Iamaleava, I believe is how you pronounce it, the five-star quarterback that Tennessee got in the mm-hmm. last cycle, um, definitely persuaded Taven Jackson to enter the portal. And he ends up in IU. And it's an interest. I just think it's an interesting battle of Big Ten quarterbacks because this guy's a former four-star. He is 6'5", 190. He's got a great arm. I think with the lack of clarity, behind what we think Drew Aller will be, what we think Kyle McCord can be, and J.J. McCarthy, we know what he can do. Um, I just think it's going to be interesting to see where he slots in with the other Big Ten quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a good point, is that if you're an opposing coach, you don't know who's playing quarterback, and there's not a heck of a lot of tape. All you know is that it's probably not going to be Dexter Williams. Um but there's not a lot of tape on, on Taven Jackson. There's not a lot of tape on Brandon Sorsby and there is no tape on Brock Lowry. So uh, yeah, it's your, I think it's an advantage for IU in, in that way. In that, you know, Ohio state's one going to have to get ready for both of those quarterbacks and two, it might take you a couple of drives to figure out, Hey, this is what they do. Well, this is what they don't do well and, and those things. So yeah, it it might not be a season long thing, but it's definitely the first couple games. uh, You're right, Ethan, that, you know, you don't really know what you have a quarterback and that could play, uh, play into IU's hands as well. Uh, TJ, your other question uh, went back to the, what detriment, what, what is Indiana's biggest deterrent that prevents IU from going to a bowl game in 2023? Um, outside of the obvious one is that you play in the stupid Big Ten East still. Um, yeah, right, right. Yeah, uh, it's going to be the offensive line. It's Ken Bob Bostad, who's uh, you know who's 
has all the credentials in the world as an O-line coach. Can he get these guys who have underperformed the last two, two and a half years to improve and become a Big Ten level or a Power Five level offensive line where you're not getting quarterbacks hurt, you're giving them enough time to throw um, and, and things like that? Because I think if you give these quarterbacks time to throw and move around in the pocket, uh, the offense should be pretty decent. Remember, you look at um, that last drive against Illinois in the opener, Connor Bazelak carved up that Illinois defense, who had a couple pros on the back end. Um, you know, when he had time, he, he made throws. Now he got beat up and just mentally done after the Cincinnati game. Uh, but, you know, you look at the improvements that Rod Carey brought in, with him in the middle of the season. And it was evident that they were getting better. Um, he saw the rushing attack against Michigan state and Purdue with Dexter Williams. It's can they be consistent enough to me? If that offense can, if you could get close to 30 points a game, you're in business. If the offensive line can't, can't get it going. Um, yeah, you, you could start turning up the seat warmer on, on Tom Allen's seat because, yeah, he made a good hire, but it, it might not be working out and, and it'll get a, a little harder. Um, TJ, what's your answer on the question? Yeah, I, I think offensive line is the correct answer. Um, one that I, I think deserves a little bit more attention is going to be the defensive backfield. Uh, you know, I use secondary. I just we have no idea what IU has back there. We really don't. Um, there's some returning players that you can, you know, point to and say, okay, we we think we know that guy. Um, but a lot of guys that got a little bit of time that now are going to get a larger role. Uh, you know, Josh Sanguinetti is the only secondary player that I think has played. Like, I feel like you know what Josh Sanguinetti is, and he's, yep. he's fine. Um, but beyond that, you're looking at a lot of redshirt freshmen, sophomores, maybe a junior here and there that are getting more time uh, than they've had before, like a Jordan Greer, um, you know, sophomore Philip Dunham. But for the most part, you're looking at red shirt guys that are entering their first year of real playing time or transfers, Kobe Miner, Jameer Johnson, uh, Tyrek McDaniel, um, Jamison Kelly. I mean, you're, you're kind of starting over back there. Yeah. And you got to hope that thing. Jojo Johnson could get in too. If he's... Yeah. Jojo Johnson still has not been able to get on campus yet. The expectation is, he will be for fall camp, but um, he still has some work to finish up to, to qualify. Um, I mean, you're you're starting over, and that's not a terrible thing because it was really ugly for the past two years. Despite a lot of you know well-known names, they just didn't perform. So it's not a bad thing that you're starting over. It's just a gigantic question mark. And if Indiana does not get some good performances from that back end, you know, you're, you're looking at a defense that, that is going to be near the bottom of the conference once again, regardless of, you know, your new defensive coordinator, Coach G. Um, it's not going to matter what he does if your secondary doesn't perform 
at least adequately, um, you're you're going to be giving up a lot of points no matter what quarterback you're playing, especially because while I think IU's defensive line has improved, especially with the addition of Andre Carter, it's still not a group that's going to generate a ton of pressure against yep. the opposing quarterback. It's, it's just not. Um, yep. Hopefully it's a lot more than it has been here recently. I think that that's a reasonable hope given the personnel at hand, um, but it's not going to be a group that can mask deficiencies in the secondary across the board. So uh, I no, think that's after the offensive line, that's a, a big question mark. Yep, and I'll put a disclaimer on it. Look, if Ohio State throws 400 yards, they have two all-world wide receivers, yeah. Marvin Harrison and uh, a, a Buca, you know, and, and then another guy, Julian Fleming, coming off the bench, and they're just loaded. I, You know, if they get lit up by Ohio State in the passing game, I, it's not the end of the world to me. It's what no. do you do? It's what do you do against Indiana State, Akron, you know, the, re the rest of the matchup games where they're not throwing a guy who should be in the NFL, but rules won't let him be, who's <laughs> <laughs> just an absolute monster. Um, Ethan, what, you know, outside of being in the Big Ten East, what's what's your hurdle for IU going to bowl game this year? I agree with both of you two on offensive line and defensive back positionally being the biggest deterrent. I'm going to throw in a wild card. I want to know how red will these fans be at home games? When yeah. I went to an IU game at home last season against Michigan, I noticed that the stands were like 60-40 in Michigan's favor. And in the winnable games, when it's a three-point ball game, seven-point ball game, and you've got a third and long, and you're at home, and you can't hear anything, that's a big deal. Like you can burn early timeouts, you can get a delay of game, you get off, off sides. Just, I think that you need to, there's gotta be a level of, okay, we need to show up to these games. Yes, the performance hasn't been up to par with our standards, but we need to keep showing up so that there's a level of, I wanna say like a connection like, if our standards are here, we need to still show up and cheer as loud as we can and hope those standards are there. Because in those late games, if you want to make a bowl game, you've got to have your crowd beh or behind your back, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I will give the students credit. The students showed up, showed out all year last year and all year in 2021. I think this is where... Uh, this is the impact of going six and 18 over the last two years. You have the alumni base who has been burned and burned and burned over having these high expectations. And they're buying into the fact that, you know, they think 2020 doesn't count. They don't remember 2019 as being an eight and five year and a bowl year. Um, they, they are very hesitant to buy in. And I don't know if they ever will. Um, you know, you, you, you read the message boards, you talk to people at games, um, and it's, we need consistently, we need five winning seasons. Like IU hasn't had five winning seasons in 30 years. Uh, it, it's, you're asking for something that just hasn't happened. Yeah. That, 
I'm not saying that I'll embrace the you know, loser mentality and, you know, they deserve all this and all that. But you have to, like you said, the crowds make a difference. And Terry Hepner said that too. Crowds win football games. There, there were times against Cincinnati in 2021. Every time IU's defensive line shifted, they jumped off sides. A lot of that had to do with the crowd too. Um, you know, it, it's the crowd, and I don't blame them one bit, especially on the alumni side. They're in a wait-and-see mode. And if you go onto the IU website and look at tickets available, there are a ton of tickets available. Um, they're in a wait-and-see mode. The, you know, they, they've been burned. Um, and, you know, part of me says get over it. It's college football. You know, this is your school. This You, you have to do it. But I also – I get it. I get rooting for a team that's lost 700 games. But losing his program in college football is hard. I, I understand that. Um, they need to win the early games. And I, as I do the schedule breakdown between Ohio State and Michigan, you play Indiana State, Akron, Maryland, and Louisville, um, I believe, are those four games. And you have to yeah. get out of that at worst three and three. And then you could go into homecoming against Rutgers. And this is where, you know, to me, the two most important, not the biggest, but the two most important games for this program are the Louisville game in, in Lucas Oil. You're going to have a ton of alumni there um, and a ton of fans at Lucas Oil and Rutgers. It's homecoming. You need to give them wins. Fans want to win. There was a time I used to keep scheduling Michigan for homecoming. They had Michigan State when Michigan State was good. Like, homecoming should be an easy win because that's when a lot of people go to their only game. That's the only game they go to every year. Why not schedule it? I get they want to do it on the same weekend in October every year. But guess what? You need your alumni to get used to winning football games. And who cares if it's against Akron or against Rutgers, um, you know, yeah, it'd be great to beat Michigan on homecoming, but that's hasn't happened. I mean, you've beaten them once since 1988 or 87. It's not happening. Um, you got to be smart with the scheduling, um, and we'll get into that too. And I think that's another detriment going to a bowl game. You're playing nine conference games and you're playing Louisville. Like, what are you doing? Um, but I'll get off my high horse and, and rant on the scheduling because that's people have been listening to the podcast since we started can probably recite it by heart um, and all that stuff. So one final uh, question for me on IU, and this is something that I know I'm looking forward forward to or at least interested in is roster and injury updates uh, who made it to campus uh, who's hurt? There's always a there's always an injury. There's always somebody who's not on the roster that you expect it to be. Um, you just hope it's not an impact guy. Um, this year, you hope JoJo Johnson gets on campus. There's also a rumor that Derek Bowler, wide receiver, is a freshman, um, is not going to make it to campus. Uh, and then you want injury updates on Dexter Williams um, and some other guys who got banged up. You know, either at the end of last season, um, you know, or spring camp, and uh, hopefully not in, in summer camp. Um, 
TJ, we'll go with you. What's your final um, final thought on Big Ten Media Days, which start on Wednesday? I, I think it, you're right. That that kind of roster update, if you will, that's always kind of a – some of them you hear about ahead of time, and, and we're, you know, aware, oh, so-and-so, you know, is it, off the team now, or, um, you know, occasionally you're, you'll hear about – uh, position changes, things like that. We're not anticipating anything um, on that front, but uh, that that's a big one for me. I, I'm I'm just interested in um, seeing Jalen Lucas talk and kind of hopefully he gives a few thoughts about his role and his expectations for the offense. Uh, it, nothing's going to be revelatory. I mean, you're not going to get him spilling any state secrets and saying, oh yeah, we got this formation for me and it's, you know, it's going to be me doing this. No, but just some little, you know, hints and read between the lines stuff on kind of where Jalen Lucas is at and his opinion of Walfell's offense. And uh, I think that'll be interesting to to hear. Um, You know, one final little note, if you will, or, or opinion, I guess, on that Louisville game at Lucas Oil I can tell you, Louisville fans, there, there's going to be a lot of them at that game. They are yep. uh, they are in high spirits over the expectations that they have. You know, their their favorite son is finally running the football program um, for the Cardinals, and I I would be quite surprised if it was a you know largely pro IU crowd. I, I think it's going to be at best uh, a split crowd. Um, on on that September 16th against the Cardinals in Indianapolis, and I, you know, that's a what two hour trek for for their fans. They've got a lot of alumni in the state, so I would uh, I would guess depends on how much construction's on 65. True, true. I would guess that a lot of uh, a lot of Louisville fans are going to be there, making that for a pretty uh, pretty much a neutral site game um in the truest sense of the word so that one is is going to be interesting but um you know tom allen is always a a guy that i think is interesting to to watch him talk um i think it's fairly easy to kind of read his face and kind of see how he's feeling about things uh there were definitely times last season where you know he was saying one thing but if you watch the comp, the press conference it was clear how visibly frustrated he was with certain aspects uh particularly of the offense and, and how pained he was with the performance of the offensive line over and over um, yeah. so I, I just think it'll be interesting to kind of try to read between the lines on what tom allen says and kind of his facial tics and expressions uh, at, at media day, but, um, he, do, he does you know, have a tell. Kind of a, yes. Yeah. It's always kind of a marker, you know, okay. Media day, fall camp season. Right. And this yep. is kind of checking that first box, which is a great thing. Yep. Ethan, final thoughts on, on big 10 media day. I think it'll be interesting to see what coach Allen says about numerous things um 
not many thoughts, but I'm definitely excited to learn more about it in here. Yeah, there's a couple also big picture things with the with the conference I'm looking forward to. Uh, new conference commissioner uh, coming in, uh, replacing Kevin Warren, who, again, I was right about, not a fan. Also messed up the TV contract, uh, sold the rights to the Big Ten title game when he didn't have the authority to, and that's costing uh, people money as well. Um, you're also the whole Northwestern thing is going to be interesting too. I, that thing is not close to being over. Um, you know, who knew what, when they knew and stuff like that. I, I just I have a feeling they're going to end up cleaning house, uh, whether it's fair to the the coaches there, but it, it's, it, it might, you might just have to go scorch earth there. Um, and then finally, uh, it, it's the last year before uh, divisions end. Uh, we'll see. TJ, you asked this. Uh, you know, we didn't get to this question, but who that fourth best team in the Big Ten is, uh, you know, we'll see. I think you're going to have um, – we'll get into it in our, our Big Ten previews, but you, you'll have a, a good top three with Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State in the East. Uh, we'll see who comes out of the West. There's a lot of intrigue. Can can Iowa score enough points? One to keep Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator. Uh, two to win the West. Um, you know what's Luke Fickle going to do at, at Wisconsin? Is Illinois um, going to jump back? It, it, there's just a ton of storylines this year in the Big Ten um, to 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 look at. That's not even including NIL uh, conference continuing conference expansion. Uh, and, and things like that. So, uh, guys, thanks for joining us, Ethan. Uh, great job on your first podcast. Thanks again. We'll have Ethan on uh, again. Uh, TJ, as always, thank you. Uh, Big Ten Media Days start on Wednesday, July 26th. IU goes on Thursday, July 27th. We'll put the times um, that Coach Allen is speaking on BTN. Uh, I'll be there. For all the coverage, uh, doing breakout sessions, uh, I'll text all the updates. We'll all have stories from Big Ten Media Day. Uh, the countdown to kickoff is continuing. We'll have our first glance previews. I put up the Ohio State one today. We'll have unit rankings, positional previews, all the stuff uh, to get you ready for uh, Indiana football on September 2nd against Ohio State. Uh, guys, thanks for joining me. and. Um, have a great week talking seasons here. And once that's over, it's fall camp and, and the season has started. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Have a good week. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. That does it for this edition of the Hoosier Huddle podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. I will have you updated uh, throughout uh, fall camp, media days, and all that leading up to the season. Thanks.